never give up on someone who's feeling this way. It's not one of the things that's going to go away just because they've had one suicide attempt and they say, oh, I'm never going to do it again, never, 100%. Doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be true. Just keep an eye on them. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I want to thank everybody who has joined me here on this podcast to talk so openly and honestly since we launched in July of 2020, and to everybody who listens, thank you. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com, on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted, and you can also contact us through our website, SuicideNoted.com. And finally, please keep in mind we are talking about suicide, as the name suggests, on this podcast. It may not be a good fit for everybody. So again, take that into account before you listen, or of course you can hit pause or stop at any time. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today I am talking with Annie. Annie lives in England and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Annie. Oh, there we go. (laughs) How are you? Okay, thank you. Yeah, getting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just checking out your blog, looking uh, looking around. Day by day. Day by day. One day I'm okay, and next day I'm not. <laughs> how are you? How are you right now? I'm okay. I still get the thoughts, and I still want to self harm, but I'm doing this thing at the moment where I'm pushing it to the back of my mind, and I'm trying to act happy to see if I fake it, I'll make it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let me know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fake it till you make it. Is that British or is that more American, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I spent a lot of time in America when I was a kid. I don't know. Right. And you you sent me a a long email, which I appreciated and read, and then you... You've got your blog, which I'll put a link into uh, for people to find if you want. Yeah, that's fine. So you are, and you're in what part of the, the UK are you in? Um, Dorset, so down south by the coast. All right. So Annie, let us discuss you and your mm-hmm. connection with the S word, okay. uh, which is not spaghetti. <laughs> it's of course, suicide. Where does the Annie story begin? So where do you want to start it? I would probably start my first suicide attempt. So I have been thinking about this. So it was before I was diagnosed, I'm diagnosed with bipolar and BPD. Before I was diagnosed with that, um, I was doing my A-levels and I got glandular fever and it really hit me bad. So I couldn't do any sport. I couldn't do any study. And I was like studying for A-levels at the time. For American audiences, what's an A-level? Oh, um, so that's our after GCSE. So I don't know what's your equivalent to GCSEs. So when you go to college, A-levels or when you go to college. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Okay. So 16, 17 years old. That might make more sense. Tests you're studying for? So it's before of- degree. So it's before you do a university degree. So that'd be college, wouldn't it? Equivalent to yours. We use college in a slightly different way. It sounds like it's something between high school and college from what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In any case, in your, why this matters is you had these tests to study for and you weren't able to. No. Because of this glandular, what was it called again? Glandular fever. Your glands swell up mm. and you get a sore throat and then you get a fever, um, headaches, flu-like symptoms, but it can go on for months. So I got that and it did, it went on for months and it really brought me down because um, going back so many months, my parents got divorced and my way of coping with the divorce was studying. I would just study, study, study. And obviously I had to stop studying. I was like in my house. I couldn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, it stopped me dead. So I lost a lot of weight. And I remember going into the kitchen and then just looking at the knives in the knife block and thinking, what's the point in me living if if I can't do anything I love? What, what is the point? I don't, I couldn't see a way out. So I got the knives and I tried to slice my wrists over and over, later discovering that the knives hadn't been sharpened. So how old were you at the time? About? Um, 17. 17 year old young lady. And this is England or the US? Because you said you grew up in the US yeah. as well. No, no. So the US was when I was a kid. So like, well, young, so five, six years old. So question about that. So you're looking at the knives. So interesting. Uh, I guess that's the word. You are cutting presumably around your artery. Yeah. In your wrist. But it's too dull. Sometimes I hesitate to get like super graphic, but you're cutting and it's not quite working enough. So you're digging it in harder and cutting more and you're not fucking around here. No. You're not. This is, you want to be dead. Yeah. Okay. So how long does it take more or less for when you pick up the knife and then you down the knife. Is that a, a few seconds, a few minutes? It's probably a couple of minutes because I just I remember just slumping to the floor and then just crying my eyes out because I was just like, I'm so pathetic, I can't even kill myself. And then I remember my mom walking in and being like, How could you be so selfish? Yeah. Those were the word mom came in and used the S word, that different S word, not the suicide word, the selfish word. Yeah. Let, let's assume mom means well, right? Hmm. Or should we not assume that? No, no, she's always meant well. She's always supported me in that lot. I think that was just her way of getting through to me. And it has always stuck with me that kind of like, don't be so selfish. It has stopped me in the future, like doing anything because it is, don't be so selfish Think about who you're leaving behind. That's mm-hmm. what she's trying to get at, like the after effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I've, I've always had that voice in the back of my head saying, don't be so selfish. If it worked for you, then yeah, everybody's different. I think there's a space between thinking about people you're going to leave behind mm. yeah anyway i don't want to insert myself too much into your story that, that's a that's a charged <laughs> word but nonetheless so when you when you um your mom says that to you and then you just get up and go on with things you get on with it so to speak yeah i managed to get better i managed to get like well enough to go back to school and i went back to school but things didn't last because that's when i had my first bipolar episode this is a tough time for you when you when you went back to school, mm. do you ever remember thinking, man, I'm kind of glad that whole thing didn't work out when I tried to kill myself? I kind of just ignored it. I didn't yeah. think about it. Okay. Like I still have a scar on my wrist today from my my attempt. So that there's just it's only a really small scar, but it still reminds me. But I I remember at the time it wasn't really addressed. My mum may say something different. She may be like, Oh, I took you to this and I took you to that, but I can't remember any of it. 
Right. Like I literally just put it to the back of my head and that was it. Like I didn't discuss it with anybody. The only one I knew was my mum. No one, never friends no. or anything. No. My mum walked in on me. So obviously she, she knew, but no friends, nothing. No counselor or therapist. No, because I had counseling previously with my father, but that didn't work out. But no, I didn't have any counseling or anything. I just got on. What do you mean with your father? My parents got divorced because my dad cheated and had an affair. And my mum thought it was good if both of us went into therapy and had a discussion. I wasn't the person I am now. I, I didn't used to open up at all. So we both just sat there and the therapist talked and we just didn't. <laughs> Hello. So it's you, your father and the therapist and the therapist is mostly talking and the two of yeah. you are just sitting there uncomfortably. Yeah, yeah, that's literally it. But that's how I used to do. I used to be like my father. I used to bottle up my feelings. And obviously yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite now. But I, back when I, that suicide attempt, I just bottled it up and just got on with it it was just like right I get back into my studies now that would distract me enough yeah I mean sure so you start studying and here's what I think mm. when I hear people say I attempted to take my life and then I just got on with it there's a little voice in my head that says probably not this is we're going to see something happen yeah. now in your case I know that there's another attempt yeah, yeah, yeah I do think there's sometimes people sort of quote I don't know if the words like grow out of it but all right so you're back in school and mm -hmm. this time though you have a bipolar episode right yes yeah, so it's my first bipolar episode so um bi bipolar is a weird one so to begin with I, I stopped sleeping and then I imagined there was a figure in my bedroom and it glided towards me pinned me down on the bed and then for some reason, I thought it was going to get my mum. So I ran out of the house at like three in the morning mm -hmm. and I ran down the high street. And then I thought I was being chased by spirits. Mm -hmm. and I ran to my boyfriend's house at the time and I sat on the floor and I remember getting all, all these objects that I collected. And I was like, I've got to protect myself from the spirits. I've got to protect myself. And that was my first episode. That's bipolar then, is it? I thought to me, and I don't know a lot about it. It sounds mm -hmm. more a delusional yeah, so bipolar is loosely said around these times. Like a lot of people say, I have bipolar, but... Um, yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, 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 bipolar. For me, I have manic episodes, more manic than low episodes. And with the manic episodes, mm -hmm. when you're at the peak, you start hearing voices. So you get borderline schizophrenia, but another side of it is you lose touch reality. That's what mm -hmm. it's called. So I lost touch reality and I thought like spirits were real and that they were chasing me and that... And because I wasn't sleeping, I was hallucinating. So then I was seeing black shadows, which weren't there, like digressing a bit. But my husband, because he's gone out in the field, they've they they haven't slept for like days on end. And he said the same thing that you hallucinate, you see things that aren't there. So him telling me that it kind of helps a little bit. Because <laughs> well, like, oh. I mean, yeah, sleep deprivation in general yeah. is brutal. I know sleep not not getting sufficient sleep alone is really tough. And what is your boyfriend, your then boyfriend? How does this young man react when his girlfriend comes over and says these things and does these things? Um, his parents were very much into spirits and spirituality and ghosts and stuff. So they're going on about like, oh, you you walk the northern line. I don't, I don't even know what that is. It's like a spiritual right. thing. And right. I was just like, what? Well, I don't know. But yeah, they're very much into it. Um, and my my boyfriend at the time didn't really know what to say, but. Yeah, again, everything was just forgotten. <laughs> my next, I, I had to think about this earlier because I've had I've had times where I've self-cut, self-harmed and everything. But my, I haven't attempted suicide. So that was back when I was 17. And now in my 30s, 
I didn't attempt suicide until last year. And I didn't even realize it was a suicide attempt because I was in a manic episode. Wow. So like I was telling you about mania and stuff. Mm. Um, so at the, at the time, I tried to drown myself um, because I tried to get the voices out of my head because I was having a psychotic episode where you're hearing voices. I was hearing about 10 different voices in my head. So this old man, this young lady, they're all very negative. And I was I was caught up in this delusion that I was part of Scientology. Scientology? That's it. Yeah. Back up for one sec. Do you think that's a suicide attempt or were you just trying to get the voices out of your head? I don't know because I'm trying to recall it. I'm trying I keep trying to recall what happened at the time. And I know at the time I thought I was trying to rescue someone mm-hmm. who had who had passed on. So I thought if I could drown myself, A, that would stop the voices. To stop the voices, I used to put my head under the water and that would stop the voices. But I thought I had to sorry, I know this this is recording recalling it for me as well so it's a bit like all over the place so I put my head under the water and usually that would work that would clear the voices but I thought I had to put my head under the water and pass on to the other side to help this little boy who had been abused it's it's, I think about it now and I kind of laugh which is stupid but it's very delusional it's very like my episode I I had in uh, March just gone was a very bad episode I had one delusion after another after another after another and that one particularly was me thinking that I had to pass on to help this little boy who was having trouble passing on and I had to pass on myself to help him pass on. So mm. I don't even know if that's like a suicide attempt because because it's, yeah, it's a bit far out there really, isn't it? Um, I think my bipolar is another story altogether. I think it's like a separate story, a separate tangent that kind of goes off on its own little. From when you were about 17 and then you got bipolar till that attempt, 10, 15 years, it sounds like. Yeah. How would you describe your life in that time? In the 10 and 15 years? Yeah, between those two things. Up and down, I suppose, with really bad relationships. I was raped twice in that time. Hmm. See, no, didn't mean no. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of just carried on. I had the suicide thoughts, but not the suicide attempts. So I would be at a train station and then be like, what if I just... Because, you know, when they say like a train's going to be passing through, what if I just jump in front of this train? Mm-hmm. Will that kill me instantly? Um, things like that, which I suppose isn't good. But I never really thought about cutting myself again, like slicing my wrists or an overdose or anything like that until later on. What do you think in those times when you wanted to mm-hmm. maybe jump in front of a train or do something else mm-hmm. that might kill you? Do you know, this is a tricky question, but do you know what stopped you from doing it? I can't say this, but yeah, probably because I'm a bit of a wuss and I can follow through with it. And I think at the time you kind of have that little bit of hope that you're not going to go through with it because you know that, you know, the people you're going to leave behind. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that stopped me. And I think I think writing did. Like I write a lot of poetry. That kind of helps a bit. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I just think it was just, it's just thoughts that come through my head and I just push them out and then I just get on with my life and then another thought will come through and then I push it out. Because I'm just so used to dealing with the bipolar thinking of killing myself I know it sounds horrible but it's nothing with what I have to live with as it is for me thinking about killing myself that's quite a, for me that's quite a simple task and all the while you have bipolar mm-hmm. are you getting treated for it are you getting whether that's medication or whatever during that time to deal yeah I have I'm, I'm on medication I was having therapy on and off but 
Um, I had to have a good think about this the other day because obviously I listened to your podcast and everything. And I listened to all the stories about people saying how many times they tried to kill themselves and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I've only done, tried it like three times. But then I think about all the, the thoughts and everything like that. This period of 10 or 15 years with all those thoughts, I never discussed them with anybody. And it was just a case of a fleeting thought. And then, it, and then I just pushed it to the back of my head. So it's never, I never dwelled on the thoughts, mm-hmm. but I never got help for anything, help for any of them. Cause like I said, it was never as bad as my bipolar. So I was just like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't a bad thing to be thinking about. This isn't like I've coped with worse. <laughs> Did you finish university? Um, not back then. I only finished university um, a year and a bit ago now. Oh, great. I did open university and got a, got a bachelor's degree. In what? Um, English literature and creative writing. Wow, cool. So, yeah, I eventually got my degree. <laughs> How did you spend your, your 20s? Were you, were you working? Were you doing other uh, things? So I, I went to college where I am. Well, not where I am now, where I was. I went to college and did interior design and computer aided engineering. Um, so I did that, hoping for a job in that. I did go back to college again to try and complete my A-levels and go go into university, but I failed. Um, so then I've just worked on and off in like just simple jobs, like waitressing, sales. I don't really feel like I've done a lot. I, I started writing a book and then I published it last year. And I did a three-year diary account and I published that as well. So yeah, I think that's how wow. I spent my days. <laughs> what's, what's the title of the book? So the fantasy novel is called unlocking me a mania so that's about a girl with bipolar and she loses touch reality but it's kind of like alice in wonderland so Mm -hmm. she kind of goes into this other reality and it's going back and forth and i try and cover things like self-harming in there as well but yeah that's that's that one and then the other one is diary entries so yeah i did that so i suppose I've, i've done some things yeah so what so how does it how do we end up getting to all right, you know, you're through your 20s and you're dealing with life, ups and downs, yeah. ideating sometimes. At some point, you meet a guy you marry. I know that. Yeah, yeah. The last couple of years. And at some point, I don't know if this is before or after then, you try again. I tried, yeah. So the last two attempts was in the last month. So it was this month. Of 2022? Mm-hmm. All right. So just to be clear, you had the one in 17. When was that one where you put your head underwater? That was last year. That was last year where we were talking yeah. about, was that an attempt? Was it not an attempt? I know, right? Yeah. 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 And then, and then this year you've had two recently. Mm-hmm. Last couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what happened in the last whatever to lead to that? Any idea? I think about it now and I think it's really pathetic, but it was, it was my work. So the job I was working in, I really wasn't happy in because I want to be a freelance writer um, full time. But I was just working in a care home. And even though I was getting on with it for, well, I was just, I just feel like my life is not going anywhere. It's just, it's not where I want it to be now. Mm. And I just came to a point where I just, yeah, nothing else mattered at that time. So mm. I remember it was Wednesday and I remember cutting myself from my head to my toe all over with cuts and then coming to my wrists and then being like, I wonder how deep I can get them, how deep I can get the cuts with this knife. The ambulance didn't get called out that time because it's really hard to cut your wrist really deep. It's like really hard. You can make them bleed, but it's really hard to cut. I don't know. But um, they didn't call it, get called out that time. So then the next day um, I was in the bathtub and I had a razor blade and I was just cutting my my hands. But it wasn't enough. 
it wasn't enough just to cut myself. So then I got out of the bath and I went in the cupboard and I saw some paracetamol. So I took a whole box of those thinking, damn it, just take all those. And then I went downstairs and I, it's it's so weird. But a couple of weeks ago, I said to my husband, you need to lock away all my medication because I don't feel safe. Um, so he locked them away, but he used like a child lock. So mm-hmm. it's like this sticky thing. You, you, you attach to the drawer and then you can't unlock it without a lock. Anyway, I managed to pry that open because obviously it's a child lock. So. Um, so then I got all my medication out and I'm on a lot of medication. I'm on lithium, lamotrigine, serotonin, I think um olazapine I'm on quite a lot of medication and I just started popping the pills part of me was just like what are you doing so then I found this this number in, in the UK it's called connections so I suppose mm. it's called the crisis helpline and mm. I told them that I've been taking pills and they're like what pills you're taking and I was like oh, I can't remember and I put the phone down on them and they're the ones you call the ambulance because they got my record because mm. it's all linked up so connections is linked up to the mental health team which is say so if they know my name then they know my address and they know the uh, circumstances so they called the ambulance out. So then the ambulance called me back. And now I'm on the phone to the ambulance. And they're going, what are you doing? And I'm like, just taking pills. And they're like, can you stop that? And I was just like, no, no, I can't. So I, I was continuing. So they're trying to get the ambulance out to me. And I was just continuing to take the pills. Um, and then eventually the ambulance turned up. And by then I'd taken quite a lot. And yeah. And then they got me to have this charcoal drink, which is mm-hmm. horrible. It makes you throw up. So. All right. So you took the drink and you threw up. Yeah. And you survived, obviously. Did you go to the hospital at all? Stayed in yeah. I went to the hospital for a couple of days. They had to keep me in for 72 hours mm-hmm. uh, because one of the medication I took an overdose on was lithium. Um, and lithium is known to, for um, shutting down your organs. Quite a bad one to take. Um, so they are having to check my heart every like 30 minutes or so. My heart beats. Hey. Was that your first time in a hospital like that? For that, yeah. For mm-hmm. something that wasn't bipolar related, yes. Right, so how long have you been in the hospital for bipolar when you were getting treatment? Um, twice for one month each. I always ask this question. It's <laughs> a little tricky. Like, were, were those stays, the first two for bipolar, were yeah. those, did you find them to be helpful? Yes and no. The first time I only got taken out of hospital was because the girl I, I became best friends with, her name was Zoe, um, killed herself. She hung herself from a tree. Um, so my mum, who had put, put me in voluntary, got me pulled out because she's like, this isn't helping you anymore. We need to take you out of hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got given this thing called a care coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just someone you see weekly and they just monitor your medication and they just help you out with just day to day things. So I suppose that helped. And then they got me on the mi- right medication when I was in hospital. So I suppose that helped that time around. But yeah, I think a lot of it is they just give you lots of information. I just expect you to read it. Yeah, here you go. Here's a little information. And were those two month long stays in your 20s? Uh, so 17. And then the second one was 30s. Okay. All right. Quite a big gap in between. Yeah. Yeah. There's a nice big gap there. When you had mentioned the other ones, you didn't really tell people. No one really learned what happened. No. In more recent ones, and if I'm understanding correctly, the first one was you were cutting your body and then the second one was cutting and then taking the pills very recently. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a few people that work in hospitals that know other than that family, friends, others, do they know? So my mum knows and my husband knows because obviously they know about the, the ambulance. Right. Um, it's on my blog and my blog blog is linked to Facebook. And I didn't know till recently that my dad read it 
because my dad only read it because his wife reads it I didn't I didn't actually realize but because as far as I know not a lot of people read my blog it's like a handful of people read it each day mm-hmm. um so people who read my blog know about it so that's basically a handful of people and my neighbor knows but she only knows because she's a nurse and she kind of like pried into it and she's like the ambulance was called out to your house why is the ambulance called out to your house and, uh, and, uh. and before I know I was telling her because she's used to people coming in on suicide attempts so Mm. um I told I told her briefly but not in detail obviously you don't you don't really tell people in detail do you I mean <laughs> I I mean for my podcast I'm a guy who has a podcast about suicide so I do like detail yeah. Yeah. most people I understand not so much what did they husband mom what did they say did they freak out were they kind uh, and supportive yeah my mom was supportive like she's she's got better well, because your mom, your mom back in the day, you know, said the thing about yeah. being selfish. Yeah. Yeah. Her language has changed a little bit. Yeah, she's become more supportive. She's seen a lot of what I'd gone through. But again, once you get diagnosed with something, that's it. You're, that That's kind of like, it's because of that. It's like, it's because of bipolar, isn't it? It's because of, mm. it's not necessarily because of my bipolar. Yes, I'm go- I've been going through a low for the last couple of months or so, but it I personally don't think it was the bipolar that sent me over this time. I think it was a combination of things. I think it was one, I have a low underactive thyroid mm-hmm. and apparently that can cause a low mood. And mm-hmm. the other one was my career wasn't going the way it was going. It, it wasn't necessary to do with the bipolar, but that's the only thing that I can get with my mum is that she thinks it's to do with the bipolar and she thinks it's when yeah. it's not, it's not necessarily linked. Right. It, whether we can prove or not that it's linked it's weird because people, there's no real conversation about what it might be. Well, other stuff, it's just the bipolar mm. or it's this thing that you have and you're not really, I don't know. Yeah. makes sense what you're saying. Like, all right, but yeah, but there's these other things that are going on that are making my life difficult and we're not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So no, my husband's been supportive, but again, he doesn't talk about it. doesn't talk about what's happened. It's kind of, I don't, I want to, don't want to say brushed off because that sounds bad, doesn't it? But yeah, it's just, you just got to get on with it. That's his motto. It's just get on with it. Like, don't look at the past. Be in the present. Just get on with it. Kind of. <laughs> how old, how long ago did you two meet and marry? So we've been married two years. We met three years ago. And he knew that you had some mental health challenges? Oh, yeah. You read my blog. <laughs> oh. So apparently you type my name into Google. It comes up with it, obviously. And that's what you do when you meet someone on the on the internet. You, I don't do that. But apparently people do. They look Everybody up. does that, Annie. I don't. I yeah, do you're that. the only one, I think. <laughs> no, no, most people do that because they don't want to make, make sure they're not, you know, going out with somebody who's going to hurt them. Yeah, true, true. But yeah, he had read my blog, so he had an understanding of it, which was good. He didn't tell me he had read, his, read my blog until I told him that I had bipolar and da, 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 And he was like, yeah, I read your blog. <laughs> I've had a handful of conversations. Of all the conversations I've had for the podcast, I've had a few where people recently tried. Like, you are one. There was another young lady. It's been a while that it was like earlier that week. I mean, do you think this is a this is another weird question, but I ask weird questions sometimes. Do you think it's too soon to be having this conversation? It's never too soon to have a conversation about suicide. I don't think. I think it's better to have it sooner rather than dwell on it. Because my coping mechanisms at the moment was being listening to your podcast, blogging about it. I was in I was still in hospital when I started blogging again. So Okay. Two weeks is, a, is not a long time. I'm wondering, do you think you, you're still, you still have your same career? You still, mm-hmm. I don't, how, how do I want to frame this? 
do you think you'll try again? Nothing has really changed. Well, you're blogging. You've been on this podcast. Uh, do you think we're going to be, if I reached out to you in a year, you'd be alive? I, I, I like to hope so. <laughs> like my career hasn't changed at the moment. And I think that is the major thing that needs to change. When you come close to death, when it's just, you know, you're you're on the floor because you've just taken a load of pills and you don't know if you're going to wake up when you're, when you're in that moment, it's kind of like, when that passes, you kind of got to think to yourself, if I don't change this, then what is the point of me still being here? It's horrible because right. I've got, I got, I got to keep saying to myself, like, oh, you've got a loving husband, you've got to support you, you've got pets. But the problem is when you're in that moment, when you're about to do it, you go numb. Well, I go, I don't know about anybody. I go numb. Nothing else around me matters. Nothing else. All the only thought going through my head is what is the point in being here? I am a burden as it is. I'm useless. And until that changes, until my career changes, until I'm going to be fighting this, basically, until all that changes, a lot can happen in a year, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to, I'd love to, like, because my mum's going to be listening to this because she wants to, she wants to listen to it, which is fair enough. I would love to actually say to you 100%, I'm going to be here in a year, but I mm-hmm. don't know. It's a maybe. It's like, it seems to run in the family. So my aunt, she killed herself um and she did it in quite a horrific way she um poured petrol all over herself and lit, lit herself on fire and she was someone I looked up to I kind of like I was in my 20s at the time and I'd been diagnosed with bipolar and I know she is going through depression she was the only person I knew in my family going through like mental health and then to know that she, and she did that in her 30s as well I think that scares my mum to death because <laughs> obviously she's she did it around the same time I've done it this is your mom's younger sister no, it's my dad's sister. My okay. dad's side. Yeah. And sh- so can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, yeah. Because I do not hear that as a uh, suicide method very often. No. It, it, might, it might be more common in perhaps some parts of the world, other parts of the world. So she burned herself to yeah. death. Yeah. That is a painful way to go. From what my mum's told me, she um, poured the petrol over her. And then she tried to contact people because I think she was having second thoughts. And she tried to contact my mum. So this is what my mum said. She, you know, obviously she doesn't know 100% if this is true. But as far as my mum was concerned, she she lit herself a fag, a cigarette, sorry. She lit herself a cigarette and then poof, she went up in flames because obviously she forgot that. She, in the moment, she didn't realise that, you know, if you light, if you light a cigarette, it's going to. So How many years ago? Oh, so this is about 10 years ago now. It was in the papers and everything, but um, so my mum thinks that she didn't want to do it. She was at that point where she poured herself with petrol and she didn't want to do it, but obviously, like, she, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit all over the place. Mm, 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 mm. All right, so your aunt, right? Mm-hmm. That was your aunt. Nobody else in your family that you know of is dealing with these kinds of mental health challenges. No. I just know that when I went to hospital the first time, they did like a um, a family tree. Mm. And I just know that it runs on my dad's side of the family in the females. So apparently with me, my bipolar could have laid dormant in my mind. But because of an, because of the divorce and it came out, even though it probably could have come out later on in years, because I don't know the ins and outs of why people get bipolar. I know it's genetic. But yeah, apparently it's the, my dad's side of the family. It's the females are the ones that get the mental health because my great grandma went into hospital and then didn't come out. Mm. Yeah. So you were talking about the career stuff. I mean, when you think about a job or a career you would love, it would be writing. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. All right. If anybody out there wants to pay any, a lot of money to write, (laughs) 
<laughs> contact her through her blog. I know that you found the podcast and I am glad you did. I'm glad it helped because it sounds like there, there was something comforting. And you'd said also back in the day, you weren't somebody who would reach out and yeah. talk so openly. So what made you reach out and want to talk about it? I mean, that's an interesting choice. I think it's just listening to everybody's stories and how how they coped. And I just thought like, if they're helping me and I'm listening and I've obviously, you know, I think I started listening to your podcast. It was less than a week after it all happened. And it's distracting me and it's helping me that maybe someone would like to hear my story and how how I've gone through it. It's like you're kind of in a room like with that person and you're kind of that, you're listening to their conversation. You you just don't feel so alone, I suppose, because it is hard to talk to. Like, I don't talk to anybody about it. I blog about it because that's my inner thoughts, but I don't talk to my husband about it. I don't talk to my mum about it because you just, you just don't. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just... I don't want to burden them. I think it's my choice, not theirs. I don't want to burden them. I don't want to be like the depressing one. And at right. the same time, I feel like if I'm constantly going on to people about what's going on, it's going to bring myself down as well. If I'm mm. constantly talking about it. So, yeah. That's an interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's for many people feels like, and including myself, there's a balance, right? I get mm. where you're coming from, but I also think you do have to, well, I don't know if we just have to, it is healthy to talk about it sometimes. And I was going to ask you, but I think I know the answer. Like, do you have people to talk to? Even if it's once in a while when you're having a really shitty day, is there anybody around? Not to talk about the depression or the suicide, mm-hmm. not to talk about that. I talked to my neighbor, but again, I've only known her a couple of weeks or so. So I don't really go into detail. I don't talk to my husband because he doesn't, it's awful to say this, but because he doesn't suffer from anything mental health, he doesn't. No matter how much I talk to him, he's not really going to get it. And he's not going to really respond the way I need him to respond to me. Do you think that someone needs to go through that to have to create space and talk about it? And this is not a knock on your husband. It's sort of an open question. Like, I get where you're coming from, for sure. Like, if you don't get it, you don't get it. But I don't know. I mean, it's just a thought I have. I'm not trying to create any marital friction. No, I have I have tried to speak to him about how how it's made him feel and stuff, but yeah. his way of coping is cooking a nice meal, you know, or playing computer games with me, or like his his way of coping is doing things for me. That that's his way of like expressing. Mm. But yeah, we do we probably do need to have the conversation. Like I I usually just say to him, just read my blog. That's how I'm feeling. That's how what I've gone through. Just do that. I mean, that's something. <laughs> hey, that's something. It's better than nothing. But yeah. It, <laughs> He's doing what I say, like he's he's got the um, all my medication now is in a safe locked mm. away. Some people, I don't know how he responded. And when they're when their spouse has a suicide attempt and they're in the hospital, they would freak out. Mm. He did not freak out. Not as far as I know. He's very um, let's just say he put his soldier mood on. Uh-huh. OK, get to it. Go out the window. It's kind of like you do to get through this. Mm. Let's but do what anyway. we need to do. How can I help action doing things? Yeah. Got you. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> we do do this thing where we write letters to each other. So Ooh. I'll write, write a letter to him like once a week telling him how I'm feeling, what I'm doing. And then he responds with a letter and then we try and talk about it. So we do try and do that um, to open up a little bit. Does he live at home or is he out somewhere fighting? No, <laughs> no he lives at home. He's not deployed at the moment. He is supposed to be going away for a month come June, which I'm not looking forward to. But where is he going? Can you tell me? Oh no, no, it's in the, it's in England. It's just training because he's going to be. I hopefully get a promotion to be in a corporal. Mm. 
So That's he's not he's not he's not going off abroad yet. <laughs> Other than writing, is there anything that helps you feel better? Walking. Mm. So I, I walked with the dog for a good couple of hours, like I did today, a good couple of hours out in nature. That helps because I've got literally come out of my house and there's the forest. It's quite nice. <laughs> quite a lot of nature reserves around here. So very nice. Yeah. Are there any are there any myths? That's a question I ask a lot, right? Are there any myths that you want to discuss or dispel around maybe it's bipolar, ideating, depression, mm. suicide? I think one I was thinking about is it's not attention seeking. Mm. People seem to think it's attention seeking. And I think that sometimes that goes hand in hand because someone who tries to take their own life may cut themselves as well. So people think, which which is stupid really, because like I cut myself and I hide it all. I don't have it on show. I don't, I don't have it on show. I mm. think the other one is being selfish as well. It's a selfish act. And it's that kind of like, oh, you know, in, in the moment, aren't you thinking about your loved ones and your pets and what you've got? And, and it's like trying to explain to them, none of that matters. None of that matters. You're just numb. You just want it to end. You just want the emotion, the overwhelming emotions to stop. You don't, you're not thinking about anybody else. You're not, you're not, it's not that you're being selfish. You're just, yeah, you're yeah. just numb. That's the only way I can describe it. You're, you're just numb and you just, you just want mm-hmm. the pain to stop. Mm-hmm. And I think with bipolar is to try and, not see the label when you see the person not which is just so annoying (laughs) oh she's acting like this because of her bipolar (laughs) no (laughs) Um, Mm. I do have to admit though it is it is hard sometimes to see when I'm happy to know when I'm happy because at the moment I've gone through a low a depression obviously tried to kill myself and I'm getting a bit because it's about this time last year I started getting manic so I'm starting to feel a little bit happy and I'm thinking, am I feeling happy because I'm doing all these things to make myself feel happy? Or am I actually going into, am I going from a low episode all the way into a manic episode with no break in between? Oh, so that's yeah. what I'm dealing with at the moment. I'm thinking, am I actually going into a mania? Am I actually, am I getting all this energy and all this happiness because I'm getting manic? So that's what I'm coping with at the moment. And in some ways, I shouldn't say this, but I kind of wish that I go into a manic episode because if I'm manic, then I'm not depressed. If I'm not depressed, yeah. I'm suicidal. So <laughs> now I would think that's almost impossible to figure out on your own that you would need other people, whether they're a therapist or someone to be. Yeah. Hey, no, you can't do it on your own. I mean, it seems yeah, impossible. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. I've got a lot of support around me. It's just using it. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of support. I would imagine, though, I, yeah, what you're saying makes total sense of wanting to be in a mania state because mm-hmm. it's better than being depressed. Yeah. Feels better. Mm. But it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's, it's okay to begin with because you get, like, that sense of confidence and, like, self-worth. You feel like you can do anything. You can take on anything. Like, and I think in your life, you know you can improve and you do better in this and that. And like I did find at the time of my last manic episode, I managed to get a load of clients, writing clients. And I, I managed to build my website up and I was just, everything was just going so well. And then I, and then, and then you stop sleeping. That's the start of it. <laughs> you stop sleeping and then you start hallucinating and then you lose touch reality. So, but they're, they're the horrible bits. They're the bits you don't want to happen. But the, the kind of happiness, the, the euphoria, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is lovely. I, I think I choose to, I kind of choose to forget about those suicidal thoughts and that loneliness and that kind of emptiness. I choose to forget it because, you know, unless I'm reflecting and I'm writing about it, then I don't, 
I don't know I don't want to dwell on it because until I go back into therapy there's not I don't think there's a lot more I can do as I'm doing now if that makes sense without actually talking to a therapist who actually is a profession and mental health and because at the moment I'm doing all the different techniques and all the coping mechanisms and I don't think I can be doing anything more than what I'm doing so there's no point I'm kind of just distracting myself at the moment that's how I'm coping when was the last time you had a, a full-blown manic period of time or episode? Um, so it started last year in January and didn't stop till May. Wow. Is that typical for bipolar or is that long? Not for my episodes. My episodes are usually a couple of months, but this one was a trickle. So in January, I was having therapy and my therapist picked up on it. And it kind of just trickled, 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 and then into a full-blown episode to the point that I pushed everybody away and I even said to my husband I wanted a divorce so I tried to go through divorce hearing with him and it was it was so weird because I, I started hallucinating and losing touch with reality like I told you the religion thinking I was getting in touch with celebrities I was going through a period of um, um on Twitter there was a fraudulent claim so basically someone was conning me and mm-hmm. I gave over about a thousand pounds but at the time I was mentally unstable, but this is, this is mania. Basically what happens through mania is everything happens at once. Like I'm going through a divorce and get, I'm going through fraud. Mm-hmm. I'm losing, I think I lost like six stone in a, in a, in a month or something stupid. That's quite a lot. Once that all happens, you got to <laughs> undo it and then get like, figure it all out afterwards, get back married, yeah. get your money back. So it's like all this damage is done. Then you got to spend all the time undoing the damage. And it's the cycle, right? It is. It is a cycle. So I got, so I was in hospital in May and I remember a couple of weeks in, um, I was going to the doctor like, right, I'm going to move to London. I want to move to London. I want to do this. I want to be, I want to be an actress. I think I was going something like that. <laughs> I, like, I want to be, I want to be singing. I want, I want to move to London. I want to move away from everybody I know. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like crying my eyes out going, I miss my husband. Where's my husband? I want my husband here now. So I was pushing him away um, for all that time. I got it in my head that he was abusing me mm-hmm. in the sense that he has these temper things where he gets, he flares up. I think it's like a soldier thing where he flares up and then he just gets, he implodes, not explodes. Mm-hmm. But I got it in my head that it was a domestic abuse and I was filling up the hotlines and everything. And I was trying to, yeah. Mm. So that was happening. I think that's just another tangent. Like that's just bipolar. It was just rule it off of being bipolar, but that that was all happening at once. And then, so basically with mania, you go up here and then when you come down, oh, you come down crashing. And that my problem was, this has been the worst manic episode I've had in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And since my first diagnosis, so since my first episode. So obviously the suicide attempts, it must've been brewing for some times in my low episode. So I've crashed right down to the bottom, right down. And I think... The reason why I've done what I've done is because I've come from manic to low so quickly. And it's just once you go up, you've got to come down. <laughs> and right now you're kind of, well, again, two weeks ago you tried. Where, what's, where are you at right now? I feel quite level. I feel like my days are up and down, but that's the borderline um, personality disorder. So that, make, that can make your mood go like this. So that's why I should probably like waves. Um, so the bipolar will have me on a steady low and then the BPD will have my mood going up and down. Mm. So I'll have my good days and my bad days. Um, I like to think that my bipolar is becoming more stable at the moment. But then I am aware that I could possibly go into another manic episode soon. So I'm trying to make the most of it. 
so that's another reason why I think I'm getting manic because I've I only had those thoughts of suicide and trying a couple of weeks ago and already I'm feeling happier mm-hmm. and I'm not getting so many thoughts and it's like it can't just be good coping mechanisms it can't just you know you don't get that well after a couple of weeks that's why I think that's why I'm thinking I'm going into a manic is there <laughs> any chance that you are closer to manic than you think and in a period of time you'll realize that you talked to me for this podcast and wish you hadn't done it oh no no okay no i'm not i don't know oh i know what you mean yeah yeah because you can talk and talk and then yeah like you might be really up and say i'm gonna do this podcast thing (laughs) and then a month or two down the line you're like mortified that you did it not out no 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 the manic thing is no it's just a trick on it's not even there at the moment it's not at it's at a stage where it's kind of I'm aware that that could possibly happen, but it might not possibly happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I could be having manic symptoms, but I could just be happy. I don't know. It's bipolar. It's, it's fine. I'm not at that stage. So you don't have to worry. Plus, you wouldn't be able to get edge, edge in, to be honest with you, if I was manic. So you said your mom knows that you're, um, you're talking with me for this podcast today, right? Yeah. Dad? Husband? Husband, yeah. I'm not sure he'll listen to it. Like, he probably won't listen to it unless I say to him, listen to it. <laughs> what else would you like to share, Annie, in England, so, uh, south part of England, with our <laughs> audience? What would you like to share or anything else? I suppose never give up on someone who's feeling this way. Mm. And realise that it's not one of the things that's going to go away. And just because they've had one suicide attempt and they say, oh, I'm never going to do it again, never, 100%, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be true. Just keep an eye on them. <laughs> mm. And if they go quiet or if they, yeah, a lot of the time it's it's a feeling of your burden when mm-hmm. obviously you're not, but it's, it's that feeling that you don't want to bother people. So if someone goes quiet on you, then you know, the signs are there. So. Don't give up on them. No. <laughs> thank you, Annie. That's all right. Thank you very much. So thank you. And I hope you just, your days continue to go pretty well and you heal and you feel, you feel well. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Bye, Annie. Bye. Have a good day. Take care of yourself. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Annie across the pond in England. Thank you, Annie. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. You can also reach us through our website, SuicideNoted.com and help us out if you would. Let folks know about this podcast, especially people who might need or want to hear it. Share it on social media. And if you listen on Apple, please rate and review this podcast. I know I say that a lot. It really helps people find it. Thanks so much for that. And that is all for episode number 107. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.